Welcome to Map It Marketing for small business owners who want to become more confident and capable in their marketing. I'm Rachel Claver, and I'm a small business owner just like you. I've learned that there are so many different things that we are supposed to do all the time. And trying to work it all out is quite frankly often very confusing. In this podcast, we're going to explore what those things are and whether you need to pay attention to them. Ready? Let's get started. Welcome to episode 14 of Map It Marketing. Today we're going to talk all about TikTok. TikTok is not just a lip syncing to songs or following memes or dancing around looking stupid platform. It can be a powerful marketing tool. And so today we're going to talk about how to use TikTok as a product-based business. Before we jump in, I'd like to invite you to our Facebook group, Map It Marketing. It's free and made for small business owners who want help, support and insight about marketing. And it happens to be one of my favorite places of the internet. So come along and share it with me. Just search for Map It Marketing in Facebook and you'll find it. Now, let's get back onto TikTok. I want to be the cool gift giver as a mum of teens and a young adult. It's important to me that they think I'm cool. We all know that that's not going to happen, but you know. So last year I discovered an awesome business in Australia called Jubbleumph, and they sell little reminders that you can wear every day. Reminders that you're smart and brave and strong, and reminders to celebrate or sometimes get a little sweary, so I had to get some of these. Now, first, they were a huge hit, so remember that if you've got teens or young adults. And second, I found out how super cool Tash from Jubbleumph was. I am in awe of how she's used social media and more recently TikTok to sell her products. I've got to say, the day before we recorded this episode, I got my first negative comment on my own TikTok for having only 52 followers. Who knows, by the time this goes live, I might have almost 60 guys because I'm a kind of a big deal on TikTok. So I'm all for learning from Tash today. Now, a little bit about Tash. She started out by graduating um, from uni with a journalism degree. And while at uni, she supported herself trading vintage clothing and jewelry on eBay. And then she started a market stall in Fitzroy, Fitzroy, which I think is one of the coolest places in the universe. I'm hanging out to get back to Melbourne um, to sell her own homemade jewelry and artwork under the name Jubbleumph. In 2009, she decided to move her online business away from Etsy and put it on a dedicated website. And then that's become her full-time job. She now has three permanent part-time staff who help her concentrate on her marketing and growing her business. Now, I think this is really important because so often we get stuck in the doing and the marketing is often the most important thing to do as the creator because it's part of that ability to show your creative process and your product development. So I think this is a key thing and a key part of her success. She's been using Facebook and Instagram and TikTok and email marketing to grow her business. And 2020 was the biggest year for Jubbly ever. So I'm really, really keen to talk to her. And hopefully by the end of this podcast, I will start pronouncing Jubbly correctly without stumbling over it. That'd be a good thing, right? So get ready for this. I'm so excited. Tash is amazing. I get inspired by her TikToks every day. And I can't wait for you to learn a little bit about how you could use TikTok for your business too. Uh, welcome everybody uh, to Map It Marketing. This is episode 14 and I'm so excited because today we are going to be talking to Tash from Jubbly Umph. I've already messed up the name after practicing it beforehand, Jubbly Umph. And Tash is amazing. I have been watching her. I feel like a bit of a stalker, which is going to make her feel a little bit 
awkward. But before we jump in and get Tasha to talk to you about who she is and what Jubbly Umph does, I'd just like to say thank you so much for tuning in and listening to this. I'm super excited about this because I know when I talk to my clients, most of them freak out about TikTok and they're really worried about that. But I also want to talk to Tash because she's an artist who values her work, has found a way to monetize that. And I know so many creatives find that difficult is working out a way to build a career around your creativity and what you love without worrying about, you know, um, hey, can I pay my rent this week? Although I'm sure Tash, would I be correct in saying that you've had those issues as well? Like the pay rent weeks occasionally yeah absolutely yeah <laughs> all right so I'm gonna run over um and, and take this um over to Tash Tash you tell us a little bit about you and Jubbly Umph and how it came to be uh well thanks so much for having me on the show I'm um, so excited <laughs> <laughs> so um I started Jubbly Umph about 12 years ago and I really started it um, because I saw a bit of a gap in the market because I couldn't find any jewellery that I liked. Um, and so I sort of started making my own and it's evolved over the years. And I now focus mainly on things like lapel pins, earrings, tote bags, patches, but with really um, specific messages on them. And they're sort of motivational messages, uh, messages for people who feel a bit different and weird um, so it's sort of not a mainstream product, um, but I think the people who find it really connect with it. So that's sort of what Jubbly Ump's all about. Do you feel like it reflects you as well? Like one of the things I'm big on is that people are weird and nervous about showing their weird, but when you show your weird, that's how you find your people. Is it a reflection of your weirdness? Yeah, absolutely. I think I always felt like a bit of an outsider and I, I always felt like I couldn't connect with mainstream society. Mm. And so I think because of this, I always felt really alone. And once I started making my own jewellery and putting my work out there, I suddenly discovered that there were lots of people out there that were like me. And we've sort of started a community around that about people who also feel the same way. I am. Um, I read a book uh, really early on um, in my marketing career around um, with Seth Godin. He talked about tribes, and he talked about when you show your weird, it helps the other people who think the same weird as you to show up and find you more easily. And I yeah. do think that that's one thing that you do really well because you don't. You're not trying to be anyone else but yourself. And everything that I see you do, you're just showing up, being yourself. You're not trying to put an affection on or anything like that. And it means that the people that relate to you are going to naturally relate to your products as well, right? Yeah. And I'm sort of big on sharing sort of my uh, long-term mental health problems, general social awkwardness, um, you know, just that feeling of always being a little bit different. Um, and I think that's probably what people relate to because they don't see that as much. I, I think probably these days people are a bit more open with it, but definitely when I started 12 years ago, there just wasn't that many people out there that were doing similar things. So social <laughs> awkwardness, man, like people also like, I think it'd probably be the same as you. Cause you, you are, so, and I, I really, I'm really glad you mentioned that because one of the things that you do really well is you show up on video all the time and you're talking and people often make the assumption with me that because I do that, that I'm actually not socially awkward, that I love interacting with people and stuff like that, but I'm deeply socially awkward. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a lie of the video format uh, because you can shoot it over and over and over again and you don't tend to be as socially awkward when it's just yourself in a room. Like I can't do it out in public. I can't go yeah. shoot TikToks in public unless I'm just doing a walk around of something, but I can't stand there and do silly movements with people watching because I just 
feel <laughs> that social awkwardness. Uh, but when you're in a room by yourself, it's a completely different situation. Because how would you feel, I know we're going off the grid here, but um, how would you feel if you had to go to a networking meeting? Do you Would you go to those? Um, I have gone to some in the past. Um, I tend to stick to the smaller ones or I'm in regional Victoria, so I find them to be a bit less intimidating than some of the city ones. So, But I don't rush out to them. <laughs> it's I tend to connect more with people online and so most of my other business friends and the people I network with, I've met through um, like Facebook groups or through connections. Yeah, that would be the same for me. And I do think um, that part of when you have a kind of a weird, when you're in a rural area or regional area, it's hard to find your type of weird in a smaller population base. So you do often have to find them online. I think that's the coolest thing about your brand is you're actually naturally finding a network of people who like your weird because you're promoting it, right? Yeah, exactly. And um, I mean, I know we're going to talk about TikTok, but I've met quite a few other business owners via TikTok, um, but also via Facebook. And I tend to hone in on the people who are in a similar situation to me because I find that we connect a lot better generally as opposed to somebody who's out there running a big fancy skincare company or something like that. Yeah. I actually, one of the things I like about those social channels is quite often I'll find someone like you, for example, on someone else's posts and then I'll be like, oh, they're my kind of weird or I like that. But then I'll go, oh, who else do I know who's my kind of weird who needs to see this? And then I'll share those. And I think that's the coolest thing is that with online communities, we now have this opportunity to network and find and share other people to find those those connections that would have taken us, it would have been impossible back in the day for you to rock up to a store, right, in rural or regional Victoria and find your weird just in that space. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started off in Melbourne. I've always grown up in Melbourne. So when I when I first started my business, I was doing sort of craft stalls in Melbourne, but it was the same problem there that you'd sort of, I'd go to a market and just sort of hope my people were there. And that that sort of doesn't exist anymore when you're selling online. You can really directly target people. You can, you can directly find people without having to sort of rely on that numbers of people going through. Yeah, I love that. I was talking to someone yesterday who who makes Worcester sauce and it's exactly the same for them, you know, even though it's a completely different product, you've got to find them online because it's a broader market. So yeah. before we jump into TikTok, um, I know I saw a TikTok video that I was like, gosh, I do feel like it's weird. I I <laughs> I feel very socially awkward saying this, but I, I don't fangirl over celebrities. I fangirl over business owners who I think are absolutely amazing and you're one of them. So I have a bit of a fangirl thing going on here, which makes things really awkward because then you're like, oh no, she's a fangirl. But one of the things I fangirled over was you shared a couple of business mistakes. And I loved it because people often look at the success but when we're able to see the business mistakes and walk it through, it helps us understand that success often comes from that cost of all those mistakes we've made before. Um, one of the ones I personally responded to was your handbag story because right. I had a similar thing. But do you want to share that and, and maybe a couple of other business mistakes you might have learned from in the past? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think understanding a bit about my business journey, like I started 12 years ago at a craft market in Melbourne and I was handmaking all my jewellery then. And then when we moved up to the country three years later, I moved into manufacturing because I'd reached a point where I couldn't make any more physically. 
And, of course, the manufacturing journey is very different because you've got to buy in quantity. Um, and I'd already sort of started building up an online community then, a mailing list and things like that, and I started to venture into other products oh, apart from just jewellery. And I started making handbags initially in quite small quantities. Mm. Um, and as time went on, that became one of my main products, doing these handbags and wallets. And people love them. It was it was great. This wasn't a point in my business when we were really, we were living off it. My partner was working the business as well. And we lived off it for like five years when we first That's moved amazing. Up yeah. And so I always, I always come back to that. Like, even though we weren't making any money, <laughs> Um, we did survive off it at that point mm-hmm. and, like, things were pretty tight, um, but we were still managed to sort of tick things along at that point. Um, but then I tried to expand. Yeah. We all do, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. So, like, I had a few designs that I knew sold really well and I thought I'd just expand on that. And so we went all in and we got a loan out for $40,000 and we decided we would do this really big order of handbags and wallets. And I think there was five designs total. And traditionally, if somebody was selling handbags, I know this now, <laughs> you take things like pre-orders from your stockists yes. and possibly even pre-orders from customers so you know how much you needed to buy on top of what you'd already sold. <laughs> well, we didn't do that because I, <laughs> I got a lot of anxiety over doing things like pre-orders. And with handbags, it's a very long timeline. It's about six months between the point where you're sort of confirming the designs to actually getting the stock. Um, So it's a very long time to have money tied up in things. Um, And basically, I didn't do my market research. I didn't research the designs I was doing. And we essentially over-ordered with the handbags and we'd taken out a loan for it. So we ended up in this situation where we had this huge amount of debt because we had credit card debt on top of that. (laughs) That loan was just to buy the handbags. We still had our regular running costs. And I sort of had this moment where I'm like, we have $60,000 worth of debt and I don't know what to do. Yeah. And we, yeah, had some really um, sort of tough times trying to figure out, like, how do we move these handbags? Because two of them were really good and they sold out almost immediately and four uh, four designs weren't as good and they just lingered and lingered and lingered. And people still love them. (laughs) Like, I think this is something I have to remind myself because uh, when I posted that TikTok about it, I still had quite a lot of people on there going, I loved your handbags. I really missed the handbags. I wanted to buy them. Mm. In the end, the way that we um, dealt with it was I just got really ruthless with the designs. I decided I can't keep making handbags. This can't be the future of the company. And so I put out an emotional appeal to my followers and I just said, look, we've ended up in this bad situation where we're potentially close to going bankrupt. We wouldn't have gone bankrupt. I would have made sure that didn't happen, but that was where it was. Mm. And I just said, look, I need to get rid of these and I just need to get my money back on them. So we sold them all off at cost price, which was about $35 each. (laughs) And I did the same for my wholesale customers. And because of this sort of being honest with my audience and just telling them what had happened and what the situation was, we actually managed to sell all the stock off in about a week. Amazing. All the handbags that have been sitting there for almost two years at that the point. The power of community, right? Like that's yeah. such an amazing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of a company called Snag Tights. So yeah. I, I, yeah, so I love their tights. But they did a similar thing last year during lockdown because they were at a point where they were like, we're going to go bankrupt. If you give us money now, we'll 
let you buy some tights later. And I love them. They made like all this money and now they've like won the top um, British or Scottish business, you know, and they've got all this growth. But it's that power of community, isn't it? When you've got that group, people will do almost anything to keep you going, which is incredible. I think also just being honest with customers is really important because most people don't understand what goes on behind the scenes and you get this impression that a company could be doing really well um, and they're not. They're like really, really just scraping by. Yeah. (laughs) Because of how manufacturing works as well, you need a big line of credit to be placing orders all the time and you might not get that money back for six months, even 12 months sometimes. So it can be really risky. And people don't understand that. They don't actually understand that lead time is often that long. And especially if you've got, do you you still do wholesale to retail? Or you just sell it? Yeah. So even that, like then you've got to wait. Sometimes they don't pay until right away. And it does take a long time. I I was going to ask you actually um, around that, probably one of the other benefits of not making the handbags is your pins and everything like that are quite small. Like I can imagine handbags took a lot of space. Yes. (laughs) Um, We had an entire wall in our, in fact, in the office that I'm in now, our entire wall was just um, shelving and it was completely full of handbags. By the point where I sort of said, right, enough, we have to clear these, Mm. we still had 400 handbags left as well as a few probably 1,000 wallets as well. So it it was half my storeroom (laughs) was gone to handbags. That's a lot. And the other thing that you did do, which I really loved, um, I saw you packing up a book that you did. Yes. You are so amazing. You've got all this creative talent going on, but you talked a little bit about that book as well, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah. Um, So the book I did as a Kickstarter, I think it was four years ago. I can never quite remember the date. (laughs) And I've always wanted to be a writer and illustrator. So I've been, I had been procrastinating a really long time about getting the book done. Um, and I figured if I'm going to do it, I think I'd been listening to Tim, Tim Ferriss and he. Oh, uh, yes. Well, no, dangerous thing to listen to. <laughs> I'm like, you know what? I can do a two week experiment. So I sat down and I just was like, I'm going to illustrate one illustration a day and then I'll work from there into this book. And so I sat down and I did it like that and I forced myself to do one every single day and was getting up early in the morning to sort of fit it into my schedule and then started writing the text that went with it as well um, and eventually did the whole book in six weeks. So, (laughs) um, you know, it was a great experience. I don't know that it's the most well-written book, but it's done and sometimes that's more important. So I self-published that with the help of the Kickstarter and raised just over $8,000, which completely covered the cost of making the book, having it shipped from China, as well as those initial copies that were sold. That's awesome. And, and was that after the handbags? Um, it was actually about the same time. <laughs> so when I was doing the book, it was about that time when we, we had to make some sort of tough decisions on the handbags. So there was a lot going on at about that time. It might have been like a little, I know that my failed um my failed stationery company, I created that at a time when there was a lot of other stress, like bad stuff happening in our business. We had to make some because it was definitely my creative surge that was helping me get through that time and process. I've learned that a little bit about myself that if I'm in a severe creative mode, it normally means that I might need to look at something that's happening in the business instead. It's a warning signal. (laughs) (laughs) It's terrible. Now let's, um, I love that. I just think I feel like there's so many people. We have quite a lot of people who are creatives 
um, or struggle with that whole idea of valuing themselves and their products that listen to this podcast. So I know that that was going to be so invaluable to, invaluable to them. But um, we, we're particularly talking about TikTok. Now, I know you do also use Facebook, you use Instagram, and you do share, I've seen because I follow you on both Instagram and, and TikTok, um, you do use some of the same material. But what made you decide to use TikTok? Because you and I are not in our 20s. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so what made you decide to go and try it? I listen to quite a lot of podcasts, especially when I'm sort of doing other things. So one of my favourite ones is social media marketing. Um, Oh, yes. They started doing some interviews with people about TikTok and I'd never really heard of anything about TikTok before. And I think the first one I listened to was like, oh, maybe I'll have a look. And I went and signed up for an account and I just sort of had a bit of a browse, but I wasn't that interested in it. And then I, I sort of like lurked for a while did a few experimental ones over time. They didn't really do a huge amount. Not that I knew what to expect anyway, but (laughs) they probably did better than they should have done. And then I think I'd listened to another one a few months later and was like, you know what, I'm just going to give this a go because it sort of felt like Facebook was dying a bit and I was getting a bit bored. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Didn't find it. Um, I've got a a social media marketing manager who, who looks after my Um, Facebook and Instagram posts and I work really closely with her on it but I don't have to do the scheduling of that anymore so that's sort of taken that away from me and I'm like you know what I've got a gap to fill to obsess over so why don't I try TikTok (laughs) excellent Um, once I'd offloaded one set of tasks yeah of course add something in as well it's always a good idea that's how it works Um, so I thought if I'm going to do it what I have to do is I need to go all in and learn as much as I can about TikTok and really try to understand the platform and see whether I can make it work for me. Mm. Some of the initial ones that we'd sort of been doing just slowly, um, they did get a bit of traction. And as soon as I started seeing a couple of sales coming in mentioning TikTok, I knew I was on something. Um, And now we regularly get little comments on orders like, I found you on TikTok, I love your TikToks, Mm -hmm. and, yeah, things like that. So as soon as that started happening, I knew that was a, a platform to concentrate on. So I'd love to talk to you about what, but TikTok, but can I ask you first, because you talked about that you've got a social media manager. So yeah. what was the stage that you decided, hey, I need extra help in my business? Was it, could you afford it by the time you decided or was it an early decision? Like when was it that you decided to do that? Well, I've now got a couple of staff members because um, I just cannot do everything. <laughs> and certain things like packing orders and stuff, I actually don't want to do. I know it's a waste. No. It's a waste I, of your time. I need to be concentrating yeah. on other areas like marketing. Um, I still do jump in on the busy days to help pack orders. And also when we're doing TikTok ones, I'll do the TikTok orders because um, I'm filming it at the same time. <laughs> but I've had many friends work for me over the years um, from pretty early on, from mm. probably about the nine, nine years ago was when I sort of hired my first friend to help. <laughs> And I've now got three staff members and the social uh, media marketing manager. And I think I hired her about two years ago. Yeah. Because I just knew that um, particularly I think Instagram and Facebook, that scheduling, I'm not, I'm not a very organized person. So scheduling out content is really difficult for me. Mm. And I'm like, I just need somebody else to do this. Yeah. <laughs> we've, sort of got a, we've got a plan of how we want to do it how we want to feed out the stuff. I prefer to just create the content, create the photos, yeah. create the art, 
and then she can push it out there and schedule it for me and manage it. And it's been a bit of a lifesaver, really. I don't think I could have moved my business forward without it. Yeah, that's that's actually how I do it and how I teach our clients to do it. And even if it's just a VA scheduling those things instead of someone who might know a bit more about social, yeah. I'm always, like I'm too, I like writing my own content. I feel like it's my voice, it's my authentic voice. I do now give someone else the job to do it on Canva because I'm like, actually, that wasn't a good, it hurts my heart because I like playing on there. Um, you probably use um, something a bit more techy than Canva, but um, being you know, like, I like I liked that, but I do think outsourcing it is a really good way of, of making sure that you're maximizing the time that you've got, isn't it? Yeah. Well, Anna still, um, she'll write a lot of my posts as well. That's great. And she's very good at the brand voice. She yeah. knows exactly about it. Um, she understands what we're about and really gets the gets the business. And that's yes. essential because I've worked with other ones in the past and we just hadn't quite had that right. It so has to be the voice, right? Yeah, yeah, that's essential. Now, I think I know the answer to this, but because you are on video a lot and you talk and I find that you're really lovely and natural on there. I really like it. I like hearing um, the Australian accent. So I always enjoy that. Um, and, you know, and you've got a lovely distinctive look with your beautiful hair and gorgeous face and great. I, I'm in awe of the eyebrows. Um, but <laughs> um, but and, and I love the way, like even today, like for those of you that can't are watching the YouTube video, if you're if you just listen to the podcast, you know, like Tasha's put herself in front of like a lot of her images so that that branding is there. She's got a really good idea of how to make things look great. But are you an introvert or an extrovert? I'm definitely more introverted. And with the branding side of things, that's only really come about in the last probably two years. I did my first branded photo shoot um, with a lovely photographer in Melbourne and been using that content for a Mm. long time. And then I did a a second and a third one um, recently just to have a, a bank of images of myself that we could use. Um, but until that, before that time, I used to almost never put my face on <laughs> on any social media. I used to hate having a picture of me up. <laughs> so it's been quite a change. Um, it's especially made a difference. Sorry? Do you think it's made a difference? Like, do you think that's helped grow the Absolutely. business? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was definitely one of those people that was very reluctant to do it, even though lots of people said, you know, put your face on there, get your name on there as well. Um, It took me a really long time to get around to doing that. And once I started doing that, I think the connection people have with the business is so much stronger and sort of relatability as well, because you're not just talking to a brand, you're talking to an actual person. Yes. Um, So, yeah, definitely. It's it's been a complete change. I do recommend those brand photos to clients because I always say, you know, they're going to make you look the best you can and they make you feel comfortable and relaxed and you do have a bank. And I'm, I, my last one was last year. I'm due to get another one. I try and actually budget in to have one of those every year to get those fresh photos every year. And it's a great excuse to have some photos that make you look great as well. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. We, the photographer I work with is really into street style photography. And so she goes and scopes out all these amazing walls and graffiti down in Melbourne. And you sort of do a plan of which colors match your brand. And then you go on location to these walls and bring some props. And it's actually a really fun sort of day to get them done. It's a day that you're investing in yourself too, I think. And I think as women in business, it's such an important thing to do to go, actually, this day is for me. I'm going to go and get a proper hair, my hair looking perfect today and I'm going to have the makeup on. It just makes you feel good for the day. 
Absolutely. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how you, do you plan your TikToks? Are you doing them on the, off the cuff? Because I'm at that stage where I've been playing around and I've got like, I've got a whopping 54 followers, uh, which means I'm kind of a big deal on TikTok. Like I think, you know, people are just like going to be astounded with me, but I'm starting to think, hey, I need to have a plan. Do you have one? And are you quite structured in that plan? I'm not structured, no. Okay, good to know. <laughs> I'm, I'm a bit chaotic in the way I do things. Um, I'm more sketch out ideas. So okay. I do um, do plan out content pillars of like mm. five content pillars and just go back to that every time I'm creating content. Um, and then I also keep lists with the program Trello and every yes. time I get an idea for a TikTok, I go in there and I've got lists within lists <laughs> with ideas for TikToks. I'll often actually write out the script if I think of the script that's going to yes. go with it because um, depending on what style it is, sometimes I do them just off the cuff and they don't really require too much thinking. But mm-hmm. other ones, if I'm doing showing one of my drawings and I want to tell a story behind the drawing, I actually script that out for myself so that I script it out and then I use the timer on my phone to time it to try and get it to about 15 to 20 seconds so that when I'm editing the video down, everything matches um, and work on things like having a hook right at the start and or a call to action or something at the end to tie people back in. Um, but, no, I don't plan them a huge amount. Like, I don't know what I'm going to post today. <laughs> but <All right. laughs> I have a list of ideas, I suppose. Yes. Um, I also, I, I'm quite relieved because that's actually how I'm trying to get more structured and I have content pillars too. I use my notes. It's a terrible thing. Like we've got like, we don't use Trello, but use something else. But I use my notes function on my phone and I just write stuff down in there because I've always got my phone. Yeah, no, um, and, I, and every now and again, I haven't like written it properly and I'm like, I don't know what that says. <laughs> that was a good idea, but I don't know what that says. My new favourite <laughs> function as well is if you're using notes or anything like that, they've got the text-to-speech Yes, I should use that. Where instead of actually typing out, because I find that quite slow, I'll just speak it into my phone and it types it out for me. Yes, I should do that. And and for those of you that are uh, listening to this podcast, I'm currently doing that for the first time today on this podcast. I've got Otter AI, which I talk about um, in my Mappet group and and in my courses, and it's transcribing this so that I can pull out the cool quotes of Tash so that I don't quite, I am making notes, but it means I can't quite do that. So I am using that, that idea. I should use it for myself. I never think about using things for myself. Um, so just out of that too, like what are you using to edit it? Are you doing it all on your phone? or Because you, you are, even we talked about before that you're not technically savvy, but you are technically savvy compared to lots of people. Um, so, I mean, I have my certain ones that I'm quite good at yes. and then the other ones I have no interest in. So. Yeah, that's fair, right? <laughs> so what is it that you're using out of interest? Uh, I predominantly use the TikTok app for all of my video content. Really? So, I, I don't make reels at all. I hate the reel function on Instagram. So I do everything in TikTok and then I put it over to reels. Um, so oh. I find the TikTok editor to be really, really good, um, really easy to use, really easy to bring content into or film directly in the app. I do most of my filming directly in the app. Okay. And then, um, yeah. <laughs> Game changer for me. Like I'm not doing that. So that's because I'm doing this whole thing where I'm I am using reels a bit, but I'm often adding, doing lots of bits of video, and then I use InShot and put it in there, and then load it up, and then add the audio in. But yeah. I like that idea. If I could get, I'm all about doing things the simplest and quickest way possible. Oh. So 
I think because you do some ones where you're talking through and you're showing different shots. Are you stopping and starting during that time with the TikTok? Uh, so I use the voiceover function probably the most of all. Mm. Um, I find my content always performs better if I do a voiceover as opposed to just using music. This is just my content. Yeah. Um, I think people really like the storytelling aspect of it. So um, also if I can't be asked looking good... <laughs> Um, I don't ne- necessarily let that stop me from no. filming myself, but sometimes but there are days, can- right? There are days where we just want to put a shroud over our faces. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, you just feel like being on camera those days. Um, those days I'll just film other things happening and I'll do a voiceover over the top. Or I also bank up a lot of footage these days on my phone. So just stuff that we're generally doing around the office, like restocking our board or um, unboxing new supplies or anything, could be anything around the office that seems mundane. I always considered mundane and now people on on TikTok are really interested to see. I call it um, being a goat in a tree. So um, because I don't know if you've seen in Morocco those goats um, that sit in trees and I'm always like those goats just think they're normal-ass goats. Like they just think they're goats there. But we think they're magical. And so I always say, be a goat in a tree. Think like a goat in a tree. Tell everyone the boring way you got up to that tree and everyone's going to go, oh, my gosh, that's yeah. magic. It's kind of cool, right? Um, so so I, am, I love this because I have just clicked myself after playing around on Reels and TikTok that the ones where I am doing a voiceover are actually doing better. And I've been faffing about trying to do like, choosing the in sound and focusing on like what's that like the new point thing and I've been trying to spend all this time doing it to try and keep up with the 20 year olds essentially and I've worked out that for me the easiest thing to do is just to grab the camera and either talk to it directly or film some stuff and talk over it yeah exactly that's all I do too in fact I've been experimenting lately with actually not putting any music on my videos Mm -hmm. and just having me talk Um, and a lot of that content's doing pretty well. And I think it's because, um, I mean, TikTok, when you're posting every single thing, element of what you post, so the, the caption you're using, the hashtags you're using, the music that you're using, what you write on the text on the screen, TikTok catalogs, all of that, and it tries to put you into a certain category. Mm. So when you're using music, if you choose the wrong music and it's one that lots of people are dancing to, and you're trying to show them a video about you making something, it doesn't necessarily fit in with all the other videos that are being shown to that music. Mm. So I figured maybe if I don't use music, it won't categorise me in that way or my videos. So I don't have any concrete evidence, but it seems to be working for me at the moment. That would fit with me because I'm completely lazy around having to research that stuff. I don't have time. So if I can just try it, because I have found the ones where I've just done the voice, they have gone better. Um, the only thing I would say for me for testing, the other thing I'm finding I'm getting huge reach from are those ones where someone asks a question and you stitch it and you reply yeah. back. I have yeah. been using those, but I, I don't have your followers. So I'm using those and going, whoa, I get 2,000 views. And I just you don't need followers on TikTok. This no. is why it's so different from Instagram or Facebook. It doesn't rely on you having any followers at all. You see people who have a million views and they've got three videos up. Um, it's it's all about the quality of what you're producing. If you create a good video, it will be good no matter how many followers you have. Oh, do you know, I think that's the best thing that I have heard all week. 
Um, so what would you, so what has been the impact for you? Like you said before that, you know, you saw those first ones come through and now you do try and pack the TikTok orders. Has Have you seen an impact for you, positive impact for your business? I mean, you're using your time to doing it. So I'm hoping that it has. <laughs> I'm devoting a lot of time to doing it just at the moment. It is what I'm putting probably 80% of my marketing effort into wow. just at the moment. Um, yeah, I spend a lot of time sort of thinking about TikToks, what I'm going to shoot, um, taking extra footage, editing them can take quite a while as well. Um, things I think are going to be really simple take really long and other ones you shoot really quickly and they're done. And <laughs> um, the impact has been pretty amazing because initially right at the start we started seeing orders come in and I think I dove into it in about October last year and sort of really was like, I'm going to make this my thing now. Yeah. Um, and then I got my first success a few weeks later with one that got 80,000 views and I got orders from it. And I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> All these people are seeing my TikTok and going and buying because I didn't know that that was a thing. I didn't know that there were buyers on TikTok. <laughs> and once I realised that, I put more effort in, still didn't really know what I was doing at that point. But just pre-Christmas, I did a packing video and I was out to dinner with somebody and I posted it just before I went and met them. And I went a couple of hours later, went when I was in the bathroom and I had a look at my phone and there was like 10,000 views on the video. Wow. <laughs> I was like, this is, oh my God. <laughs> and orders started rolling in. It was a, it was specific to pre-Christmas. It was specific mm. to items that we had. It wasn't anything too complex. It was just me packing an order. And in the end, we got, well, I got almost 400,000 views from it. And I did about $10,000 in sales almost overnight from it. Oh, well, I can tell why you're trying to put more effort into your whole TikTok. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, I haven't had another um, product-based video do that well since. Um, But the the lure is always there with TikTok. And it's a, a long game. You're looking at creating content every yeah, single day. Yeah, and it is. I mean, it is. People often go, oh, how long does things take? And I'm like, look, if you're getting results from it, it doesn't matter, like, if you're putting an hour, two hours or whatever a day and if you're making yeah. significant sales from it. Yeah. Um, I mean, more important than that was actually the fact that creating this content and forcing myself to do it was, one, putting my face out there a lot yes. more, which I wasn't very good at. And like you said earlier, a lot of people comment to me and they say, oh, you're so natural on camera. And I'm like... No, people say the same thing to me. No, (laughs) but I suppose the difference is you get better at it over time the more you do it. And to build up a TikTok, they advise you to do at least one video a day, if not more than that. Um, I currently do one to two a day normally, that's about as much as I can handle at the moment. Um, But once you start producing video content every single day, you start getting more natural at it, you start picking things up on how you're going to shoot shots. I pay a lot of attention to ads now because of the way that they shoot a shot on an ad. I've started counting how how long there is between different shot changes and it's usually one to two seconds between each shot and I've noticed TikTok's the same. A lot of people will have those shot changes the same as an ad because it's the same short short form video. TikTok is the same as an ad basically. No, I love that. Um, I'm, I'm going to ask you in a minute about hooks because that's the thing I think I, I I can do if I write, but I'm struggling to do with video. Um, but one of the things I wanted to ask you, are you you mentioned before you're repurposing to reels, like just using it, which is great. I do it the other way around. Often I go from reel to TikTok because it just is, I think I, 
I st- I was banned off TikTok. My kids had said that I wasn't allowed to use it. So I, I went on there as to be ultimately passive aggressive. Um, but but I am now also sharing those to YouTube. And I have been with our e-commerce clients, we're using their TikToks or reels as part of their sales funnel and seeing like high conversions from those. Are yeah. you are you see are you using them in any other places besides Instagram? Yes, I repurpose my TikToks everywhere. <laughs> so <laughs> I do it all from TikTok, as I said earlier, um, and I repurpose them onto Instagram and they do really well with my existing um, followers on Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then I also, we put them onto my Facebook page. And then there's also a new thing called YouTube Shorts. Yes. And that is the short content. It's in the same format um, as TikTok videos. A lot of Mm -hmm. people just put their TikTok straight on there. Um, I'm pretty new to YouTube. I haven't put much effort into it. I'm just starting to put effort into it now um, in my free time. <laughs> I know. I'm the same. I'm like, I need yeah. someone to help me work out the SEO for, for YouTube because it's, yeah. just, it's just everything is hard. Like I do want to say to business owners who are listening to this and going, what? No, we just about TikTok. Why are we doing this? We are both going to acknowledge that this is like you take one thing at a time. Like you said, I started getting into TikTok in October. I'm putting that time into it. Now you're starting to feel easier about it. You're ready to kind of add something on, but you weren't going in October. I'm going to do TikTok and I'm going to do Reels and I'm going to do YouTube Shorts and I'm going to do this. You are layering that activity up, aren't you? Yeah. Well, initially yeah. Reels wasn't there. It was no. a last-minute addition by Instagram. So they sort of just out of the blue announced that they had Reels. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we immediately just started repurposing the TikTok com- content onto Reels. I find the Reels functionality really different, like difficult to use compared to using TikTok. Mm-hmm. I think they've changed it and they are making changes now, but it's just not as like the TikTok app is really well designed for editing videos. Mm. Um, <laughs> I think so that's the only way I can do it. I think the way I always see it, it's kind of like when a when a package, a marketing hub hub package, I don't mean to use hub because it sounds like HubSpot, but when they when something tries to be everything, they'll do three or four things really well, but not enough. And Facebook, what they do is they watch things like TikTok or Clubhouse or whatever, and then they go, oh, we'll do our version of that. But they are not it's not all they do. So it's always like a 75% version of the original. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see quite clearly that Reels has been um, rolled out without a huge amount of planning because it doesn't tie in with the ads platform yet. Um, That's a big problem. It doesn't, initially didn't have very much functionality to it. Um, A lot of the old TikTok trends that started a year yeah. ago, now appearing on the Reels, which is quite odd to look as a TikTok user. Yeah, I bet it is. <laughs> <coughs> so, um, okay, not a COVID cough. Oh God, I hope not. Regional <laughs> <laughs> Victoria, it's okay. I know it's okay. I, one of my um, one of our team members lives in regional Victoria, and she said, "I've got a cold. I'm going to go and get a COVID test because I am not staying in lockdown any longer, and I want to make sure I'm safe to leave the house." Um, <laughs> It's pretty, it's pretty rough at the moment. I do feel for you guys. Um, so so you've got like I love that you're doing that, and I love that you're using um the YouTube shorts. I am finding the YouTube shorts are getting lots of reach without having to do lots of stuff around them. So I love that. Um, if you were going to give someone advice on how to start on TikTok, looking back at what you've learned, what would be some key things that you would say to them? Um, I suppose if you're older like us um one of the things that when I start a new thing I like to actually learn as much as possible about the platform so 
I'm going to cough. <coughs> Sorry, coughing again. Um, so one thing I did was when I decided to go all in on TikTok, I joined a heap of the Facebook TikTok groups where you can learn a lot of things. I bought one of the programs um, by um, a sort of TikTok guru called Rachel Peterson. She yeah, following here. Yeah, yeah. She had one that's just like a flat rate that you go through as your own pace. So that was really helpful to me because I didn't automatically know all those little ticks, um, tricks on how to do things. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have learned them. I'm sure there's probably free content out there as well, but she just had a really concise course to do. Um, so I did her course and immediately was like, oh, I know how to do that thing. I know how to change the volume on a video. I know how to add music. I know how to do all of these different things. So that was a big help to me. Um, I've since also done some TikTok coaching with the Ginger Marketer. So I did his um, program and he helped me really tie down my profile. So mm. the description that we use in my profile, I used to have just Jubliam for the top. And he said, no, put your name in there. So we now have Tasha and it says something like artist and pin maker as mm. well as part of my name description. So it's really just tweaking all of those things, tidying everything up and having sort of the best profile you can have. I now will use consistent labels on the start of all my videos. I was going to ask so that. Is that key, do you think, having those consistent labels? I think when you're looking at the feed as a whole, yeah. and even though a lot of people don't put much emphasis on the feed, you have to think about it still like Instagram. So if somebody lands there and they've seen one post they like, yeah. they might go and look at your other posts. I do it. So Mine is a mess. Mine is truly a mess. Like I, I agree with you. I was looking at someone else's this morning and I was like, oh, it's quite good. I can see what each one of these things are about so I can scan through but mine doesn't do that. And I keep, so I, I need to listen to that. That's good advice. If you're doing, say, a series, which are quite popular on TikTok, mm. um, it's really good to go part one, part two, part three. Then when people are looking back, trying to find those videos, you can find all 10 parts of your series. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I could do that for this podcast. I might do that the week Absolutely. before. I'll do part one, part two, part three, and talk about those things and actually do that. Yep. I'll make it my challenge. I've got a few weeks to go before it goes live. So let me do that. And I'll at you in them all. <laughs> <Do it. laughs> um, so the, the only other thing I wanted to ask you, because I said I'd, I would ask about, and I'm trying to avoid the phrase circle back because it's a, one of my banned ones and I don't use it. But for some reason on YouTube, on, on these podcasts, I want to use it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm using circling back. You should do a range of like um, I shouldn't tell you what to do for your ranges, but you could do a range of like the bad, all the bad phrases that people use. So you could have them as your passive aggressive thing in business. <laughs> I'm circling back. Um, so hooks, just because we talked about how you need to have a hook at the beginning and the call to action. And I feel for me, and this is maybe me just getting a bit of rude coaching from you, free coaching, but yeah. I struggle with it. It is true. Within the first two seconds, you need to get a hook so people will keep on watching, right? Well, I mean... A hook can just be anything that's going to interest them. It doesn't have to be like this really, you know, snappy one-liner. Um, sometimes I'll use things like, here's how I do this. Um, here's how I organise my packing desk so that we can pack 300-plus orders a week. That was one that I used recently. I liked that one. Um, you know, here's how I design a new pin. or th- so that, that sort of thing can work. Um, if I'm looking for inspiration that's a bit... Um, more direct, um, having a look at places like BuzzFeed that have those real clickbaity 
headlines can be really good yeah. because they always have things that spark your interest. So it's always going to be like 37 books you need to read before you die. That's a great hook. It is a really <laughs> good hook. Start on TikTok. Yeah, that's actually good People idea. People are going to be going like, what are those books? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You could do that and go, I'm going to do this as part one, part two. Part- I yeah. think Rachel Peterson actually does that. She does a range of just book reviews. Yeah. Um, starting with a question can also be really good. So something that gets people thinking and because then they want to hear your answer to it as well. So um, I can't think of one off topic, but oh, um, I had one that was like, how do you feel about glitter? And then I talked about how I'd gotten this comment back from somebody who said, Glitter is really childish. And then I sort of asked my audience, what do you think? Is glitter something that adults can wear? You know, let me know in the comments. And I'm hoping there's a thousand comments on that. Because so. <laughs> I'm wearing um sneaker, I'm wearing rollies today that have like rose gold glitter tongues and at the side. So I'm hoping that glitter is okay. <laughs> the consensus was that glitter is for everybody. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. I'm talking um to a bunch of, of um teenagers today at the end of the day at a school and I asked my kids what I should wear and they all went, can you tone down the colour? Because it's not going to be cool. So I'm, I'm wearing a black cardigan today. I know the opposite personally, but <laughs> oh, <no>. <laughs> children. That's basically why I joined TikTok, to ruin it for the kids. <laughs> I think it's perfect. I love, I, and it is interesting. I think people do have an assumption that things are just for young people. People often say that about Instagram, but I buy nearly all my products off people talking about things and stories. Yeah. Like that's yeah. where I built. So it's the same with TikTok. I am definitely starting to make uh, purchasing decisions based around the things I'm seeing in TikTok. I have bought lots of things from TikTok. In fact, there's a bit of a hashtag like TikTok made me buy it. <laughs> oh, I like that one. Um, yeah, because we used, you watch a video and you watch it all the way through and TikTok's like, I'm going to show you more of this stuff. And then they show you more of it. And you're like, I want all of these things. I love that one. I'm going to, I think I'll have to buy something and then use it because I think that would be cool. Um, so I would just love everyone to hear a bit more because we've I, we've just ripped through this and I'm like, I, I knew this would happen with you. I knew I'd be like, I just want to have Tash on this all the time. I'm just going to cancel everything else for the day. <laughs> um, but I know that you're a very busy person. You have TikToks to make today. So I want to make sure. <laughs> but if people want to get your products, how do they do that? Um, and, you know, because I've bought them all in New Zealand, you, so I know you ship to New Zealand and you obviously we have listeners all over the world. How yeah. do they get your products? How do they find you? Um, so we've got a, a website, which is www.jubbly-umph.com. I'm sure you'll link it there because... Um, I'm linking it in the show notes because, you know... To remember it. <laughs> yes. Uh, I broke all the rules of branding by coming up with the name. That's great because no one else is going to have it. You're like Google. Yeah, yeah. I say it's like being in a secret club. If you can remember the name, you're in. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So, yes, you can find us on the website. I've also got a heap of awesome stockers all around the world. We've got quite a few stockers in New Zealand. They get most of our recent collections. Um, Same with America, the UK. So there are opportunities to shop locally, but we also ship pretty much worldwide at the moment, and it's not taking too long. Uh, these days, COVID. Yeah, was it was last year. I bought it during COVID, and I had to go well ahead of time. But so with um, with the stockers, are they on your website? Those stockers, or would do they? Could they message you if they live like in the UK? Could they give you a message and ask if there was one local to them? Yeah, absolutely. We've got a list of stockers online. Um, we are adding to it all the time, so it's not always up to date. But if you've got any questions, people can just 
message us or email us and we can find the closest stockist. All right. I'm going to put both the link of your website and the stockist link on there on the show notes. We've got those. And I'm also going to make sure people have got your TikTok and Instagram so they can follow and watch what an amazing job. (laughs) Fantastic. (laughs) It's been a complete pleasure. Um, As always, um, at the end of this, stay tuned, everyone. I'm going to pull out a few things that Tasha has talked about today and just how you can apply those to your business as fitting into that marketing map that we talk about. But Tasha, thank you so, so much um, for being a guest. I It's made my day. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me. You're so welcome. I loved listening to Tasha share so beautifully about how TikTok has helped her business. And I also loved connecting with someone who is not afraid to show her version of weird to people to find her following. I would love it if you took from this some actions for you. And we're going to talk about those really soon. But first, I would like to invite you to come along to the Map It Marketing Group on Facebook. Come in there and ask questions about this podcast. Or if you need to work with us for a strategy, you can hit me a line on rachel.identifymarketing.co.nz and we can make a time and have a chat about how we can help you. Right, let's jump into some of the actions that you can do from this podcast. The first thing is, We talked about marketing overwhelm in the last podcast. If you're in a place where this is exciting to you, but it just feels too much, put a date in your calendars to revisit this so you don't have to look at it now. Just pop that in today and then you can just let it go. But if this excited you and you're already doing reels on Instagram and you love video, my recommendation is just to start with playing around on TikTok, going in there, getting used to it and having a little play. You can actually save TikToks to drafts so you don't have to have them go live so you can just test things out and go back and play and get used to the editing function in there. Just get used to looking at it and seeing how things work. The key is to get a really clever hook at the beginning, something that's going to make people pay attention and to keep them as short as possible. So getting used to using the editing platform and software inside TikTok is great. Like Tasha said, don't get fixated on trying to follow trends unless you're way cooler than me and make sure that you're just trying to do something that you can do consistency. My recommendation is minimum, you know, five to seven uh, TikToks a week and try and have them going out around the same time every day. Use your reels if you want to by adding a little sticker over the reels little Instagram little thing there when you load it into it so that it doesn't show and just give it a go. I'd love to know how you're going with it so please you know do come into the Facebook group and talk about it and I would love to hear how it works. I would recommend, you know, if you're a product-based business, definitely do lots of unpacking and talking about your product. If you're a service-based business like me, um, I'm on TikTok. I've put it in the show notes, my TikTok account. I'd love you to give me a follow. And I'll tell you something I've learned. If you're a service-based business, longer TikToks of you talking to camera actually does better than the short ones. There's a little tip for you. Right, next week we're talking to Joel Woolley. He is a story brand coach and he is going to walk through with us the seven elements of great storytelling. This is good for all types of businesses. We use story brand methodology as part of our practice and with the book I'm writing at the moment all about map and marketing as well, I am pulling ideas from that and creating something else. I love brand story. Um, So don't miss out. It's a great way for you to work out how to improve your content marketing for your clients. Until then, have a great week. Thanks for tuning in today to Map It Marketing with me, Rachel Claver. 
make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast app so you don't miss an episode. And if you want notes or information about today's podcast, go to rachelclaver.com slash podcast for more information.